Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, friends. Molly here. Today, we have something brand new to share with you. It's a podcast called Million Bazillion. It's all about money, how we earn it, spend it, and save it. It's hosted by Jed Kim, who you might know from Smash Boom Best. Go, Team Quicksand. You can find Million Bazillion wherever you podcast. So now, without further ado, here's the first episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the first ever episode of Million Bazillion, where we help dollars make more sense for kids and the adults in their lives. I'm Jed. And I'm Bridget. And together, we're all going to figure out how this thing, money, really works. Because yeah, it can get kind of confusing, kind of awkward, kind of scary, but don't worry, we're going to have fun. And kids, you're in charge because we're answering your questions. You can send them to us at our website, marketplace.org slash million. Speaking of questions, we're going to answer this one today. When we flip a coin, why do we call it heads or tails? There are no tails. Unless, you know, we never see the president's bodies. Did they have tails? No, Jed, we're not answering your questions. We're answering Benny's question. Oh, right. Benny from Irvine, California. His question is much better for the first episode. Check it out. I would like to know who invented money and when. Such a great question, because money didn't always exist. So how did that even work? Like, how did people back then get stuff they wanted? Coming up next, we're going back thousands of years to find out the answer. And now it's time for Asking Random Kids Not-So-Random Questions. If you had all the money in the world, what would you do? If I had all the money in the world... First, I would fly my private jet to San Diego to my favorite taco place called the Taco Stand. I would give it to some foundations that help the world. I would give dogs from the shelter homes. Just buy my, like, normal things, and then I would just give the rest of the money to people. If I had all the money in the world, I would make a 100-feet-tall robot. I would buy a football stadium. I would plant multiple forests. Then I would buy a hang glider. Buy some FIFA points and save the rest for later. I would be rich. That was Benny in Irvine, California, Eloise in Connecticut, Ziamara and Xavier in Austin, Texas, and Sevian, Marcos, and Ezra in Los Angeles. This has been Asking Random Kids Not-So-Random Questions. Money is this super useful thing. Sure, it's just a chunk of metal or some paper, but... We've all agreed that this metal or paper is special. It's worth something. So if I need a thing you have, I just give you some of my magic paper and ta-da, you'll give me that thing. It's simple. It's quick. It's easy. 
but it hasn't always been around. Before they came up with the idea for money, our ancestors tried a lot of different ways to get what they needed, like bartering. You mean trading? I do that all the time. Like yesterday, I traded our pal Ben, the last of my Halloween candy, for this pen. A pen? For, for candy? Big mistake, Bridget. It was candy corn. Oh, yeah, okay. You totally won that trade. So bartering is one way to get what you want without using money. You can trade items and services, like fixing someone's wagon in exchange for food. That may sound simple, but things can get pretty complicated pretty fast. What do you mean? Well, let me show you. Come with me to one of the world's most famous trading floors. Ooh, are we going to Wall Street? Exciting. What? Those amateurs? No way. I'm talking the best barterers in the world. Fifth graders. This is a cafeteria. Exactly. And the bartering is fierce. I've got a PB&J. PB&J. Trade for chocolate milk? Who wants my gummy bears open to any and all offers? Okay. I'll swap you this apple for that hummus, but you gotta throw in the carrot sticks. Seriously, anyone want my gummy bears? I only licked them a little. Bridget, I want to introduce you to a straight-up bartering genius. Uh, There she is. Hi, Piper. Hey, Jed. You here for Pizza Friday again? Oh, it's Pizza Friday? Man, I would love a slice of sweet cafeteria za. Uh, But no, uh, not now. I actually came to hear about the trade. The trade. What's the trade? And where's that sound coming from? The trade was just the most epic lunchroom barter of all time. It all started with a pack of raisins and a dream. You see, I forgot my lunch at home, but I had one of those small boxes of raisins in my backpack. My goal? Get a turkey sandwich with the works. Who would trade a sandwich for raisins? No one. That's why I had to barter up. I started by trading my raisins with Freddy. He's nuts about dried fruit. He gave me two juice boxes. I swapped the pair of boxes for a single pear. You know, the fruit. Which I exchanged for chips and salsa. Swapped those for a slice of bundt cake. Which I traded for a slice of pizza. Which Devin Landers traded me for a turkey sandwich with the works. Bada bing, bada boom. That's the trade. Amazing. Yeah, I see what you mean. Bartering can get complicated. Right? I mean, it would be so useful if you had a third thing that both of you agreed was important that you could trade instead. Like money? Exactly. Hey, Piper, please, can I have some of your pizza today? Nobody wants my gummy bear, so I have nothing to trade for a sweet slice of za. First off, stop calling it za. Only old people trying to be cool say that. Yeah. Wait, I call it za. And second, I only have one slice. Yeah, but Piper, aren't we besties? I mean, you did make me the sweet bracelet in summer camp. And it does say BFF, so, huh? Ugh, you're right. Bracelet is bond. Here, you can have this part with the weird crust bubble. Yes, crust bubbles roll. Here, you can have my gummy bears if you want. I dropped them in the sandbox earlier, but they're kind of cleanish. Hard pass. Whoa, not how I expected that to play out. Actually, that reminds me of something. Come on, my turn to show and tell. 
So yeah, bartering has limits. But Jed, there are other ways people got things before they invented coins and paper money, like jewelry made of bones. Unexpected twist. Tell me everything. Meet Bill Maurer and his fishbone necklace. This is a, a object from Papua New Guinea made of a big shell suspended on a rope with lots of little tiny shells and, and little wooden little wooden trinkets. And I think this is like a fish vertebra. Bill researches money and how we use it. You could say Bill really knows bills? <laughs> okay, so Bill has this theory for how money began. Keep that fishbone necklace in the back of your mind, okay? Basically, long ago, before we had like paper money and coins and credit cards, people lived in these small groups and they had a sort of problem. They needed ways of keeping track of who did what for whom, who owed what to whom, and what their obligations were to one another. Like, say you needed an extra person for a hunting trip? In the past, you've helped out your neighbor. They kind of owe you one, right? But how do you make that clear? You know, Bridget, I'm going to be real disappointed if the answer doesn't involve fishbone bling. Oh, it totally does. Bill says if you lived back then, you might give family, friends, neighbors these fishbone necklaces. And then the necklaces were sort of a symbol that you would be there if they needed you. Huh. Okay. I mean, I guess I see how that works. Okay, so it's like um, that kid in the cafeteria with the best friend forever bracelet from camp. The one with that disgusting bag of gummy bears. Ugh, I'm pretty sure I saw a roly-poly in there. Right. Best friends give each other those bracelets, and every time you see it, it's a reminder of your friendship. Past, present, future. You've got each other's backs. So these ancient people Bill was talking about, they'd just be giving out, like, bony BFF necklaces. Oh, best fish forever. Exactly, yeah. And in ancient times, if you needed help and one of your BFFs said no... You could be, well, but wait, and you could pull out these giant shell things or things made of feathers or whatever and say, hey, come on. Everybody would then see it. Everybody would then shame me. And I'd be like, okay, I guess I'll go help you do whatever it is you want me to do. In communities where things like these necklaces were used, you'd have very strong ties with the people around you. And you didn't really need money like we have today to get what you needed. Tokens like these were totally enough. It's so sweet. So pure. Yeah. But... This works best for small, close-knit groups. How do you get stuff from a stranger? Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about how money started looking like the stuff we know and love today. Like, really love. I mean, sometimes I take selfies with some of my favorite quarters. Jed, focus. Right. Focus. Right. We'll be back. But first, here's a question for you to ponder. Today's question... Would you rather only be paid in pennies or only be able to use bartering to get what you want? Which would you pick? That'd be a ton of pennies to have to carry around. You'd need a wheelbarrow. But bartering for a new bike or a house? That sounds hard. So which would you rather? Today's episode is sponsored by Sitka Seafood Market. Seafood is a great source of long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, which can support heart health. Salmon is one of my favorite foods, and so it's so delightful when a box of amazing quality, beautiful salmon arrives at my door. 
Sitka Seafood Market sources from small boat fishermen and community-based processors that take great care to provide the highest quality seafood that is wild-caught, sustainably, and ethically harvested. And one of the best parts is Sitka Seafood Market offers a variety of flexible subscriptions that can come monthly or every other month. It's super convenient, so if you're going on vacation, you can pause or you can cancel any time. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Go to SitkaSeafoodMarket.com and use code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com, promo code MOLLY35 for $35 off your first order of $100 or more. That's SitkaSeafoodMarket.com. Welcome back to Million Bazillion. We've been talking about how the world worked before money came around. And we've learned that when you don't have money, it's possible to get things by trading for them or by relying on your friends and neighbors, your BFFs. But what if someone you didn't know wanted to hire you to do some work? How could you be sure that they wouldn't refuse to pay out when the time came? Some civilizations developed ways to keep track of who owed what to whom. In ancient Mesopotamia, they wrote out the details of deals on clay tablets and stored them in secure places. Having these recorded tablets made it safer to do business with a stranger because you could always go check the record. Hey, record keeper, how much grain does Udish owe me again? Okay, it says Udish will pay Nuradam 15 bushels of grain in exchange for digging a well. Oh, oops, I could have sworn we said 12 bushels. Yeah, yeah, the clay doesn't lie, man. Hand over the grain. But even this record system had its problems. For one thing, it wasn't very fast. Also, what if you lived far from where the records were stored? Or you wanted to move? Well, someone came along who solved these problems and made money look a lot like what we know today. I mean, this guy was basically a rock star. He ruled hundreds of years ago, but his impact is still felt today. On this episode of Behind the Money, the story of Aliates, the king of metal. I've always loved metal. I can't get enough of it. It just got this really great sound. King Aliates ruled the kingdom of Lydia around 600 BC. His rule was marked by periods of war which may have fed his love of metal. Yeah, there was metal in swords and shields and the like. And that was cool. But after a while, that stuff got really boring. I figured I could push the boundaries, you know, really make my mark on metal. And that's exactly what he did. The king began taking bits of metal and hitting them with a stamped image. And with that, The coin was born. You know, we started paying our soldiers with it and telling people, you better accept these coins as payment or else. And what are they going to do? I'm the king. I can do anything. (laughs) Aliati's idea worked. Demand for coins spread. I lived in that kingdom, and I have to say, coins were brilliant. They made buying and selling so easy. Before, you had to keep records of every transaction. But with the coin, you could just hand that to someone and then go your separate ways. The coin was its own record. Record after record, hit after hit. Eventually, the entire world would use coins to trade. And Aliates, he sealed his legend as the king of metal. 
And that is the answer to our question of the day sent to us by Benny. Who invented money and when? In fact, the idea was such a hit, it pretty much replaced all those other ways of getting things we talked about earlier. And we want to answer more of your questions. If you've got them, send them to us at our website, marketplace.org million. Coins are a great form of currency, which is another word for money. But did you know that lots of interesting things have been used as currency? Different civilizations have traded using seashells, beads, salt. The ancient Mayans used cacao beans, which you know from chocolate. Oh, man, I would totally eat all my money. Yeah, I know, right? Well, if you had to design your own currency, what would you use? Silk buttons, paper that's covered in holographic images. Here are some things experts say make for good currency. One, it should be small and light, so it's easy to carry. Two, it should be tough, so it doesn't fall apart too soon. Three, and this is important, it should be something that's hard to get. Yeah, no one would accept grains of sand because they could just grab up handfuls of their own at the beach. Yeah, then we'd all be bazillionaires. Tell us what you'd come up with and why. Send us your suggestions or pictures at marketplace.org slash million. We'll pick some of our favorites and feature them on our site. And actually, we already have one submission. I'm Kristen Bell, answering a question for a million bazillion from Marketplace. If I could design my own currency, I would put Ruth Bader Ginsburg on it, and it would be a bill in the shape of her descent collar. It wouldn't fit well into a wallet, but it would be very valuable. I mean, that's a pretty cool idea from someone who played both Anna in Frozen and Eleanor in The Good Place. I know what I'd choose for currency. Tortoises. What? Yeah, they're tough and last for like a hundred years. They're more useful than dollar bills because they can be pets. Plus, as they grow, your money would grow. I'm not sure that's how it works. Oh, we write on them in tortoise we trust. And we could put magnetic stripes on them so that we could, you know, uh, uh, Let's meet our dollar scholar for the week. Every week, we hear from a kid who's gotten better at understanding money and how we use it. And they've got some tips they want to share with the rest of us. Today's dollar scholar is Miley from Colorado. She found an old sewing machine in her basement when she was 11, learned how to use it, and now has her own business. I started with one type of bag. It was my cosmetic bag. It has so many purposes, which is why I think everyone loves it. And then I also have produce bags, which I posted about them last year and got over 250 orders for them. Wow. Okay. I want to ask, so you started sewing. You started learning how to do this. How did that turn into a business? Um, so I started sewing for myself, but then friends and family kept complimenting me and asking if I would make uh, all these different bags for them. What do you do with the money you're making? Are you, are you saving it up for anything specific? So I put part of that money into reinvesting in my business. So if I need to buy new fabrics or new handles for different bags, I can do that. And then I've also been saving up for some of my student theater trips. Theater's my other passion, and I figured out I can put my two passions together so I can use sewing and theater, and I can help out with costume design. I've done that with 
a couple different performances in my neighborhood. All right. So I got to ask, what tips do you have for other kids who maybe want to start their own business? Don't be afraid to try and to fail. Most of my bags are the fourth or fifth prototype of their kind. You just got to go for it. And then also take a look around and see if your business can help others. Like once this pandemic started, I've realized there was a need for masks and surgical caps. So I put my business on hold and I was able to help by making these masks and surgical caps and donating them to nurses and doctors in need. That was an amazing story from Miley, who turned her skills into a way to make a little money and help people, too. If you want to nominate yourself or someone you know as a Dollar Scholar, hop on over to our website. That's marketplace.org slash million. Hold on, everybody. I, I feel some big thoughts coming on. Can I get some inspirational guitar, please? Perfect. So, today we learned ancient people had lots of ways to get the things they needed. And a lot of times, they relied on relationships. Money took over, but it's not a perfect solution. Taking relationships out of money made spending easier, but it also made it really easy to focus on money itself as what's most important. But who knows? Money keeps changing. Maybe someday you'll figure out a way to make helping each other out an important part of how we spend again. We can't wait to see what you come up with. But nobody take the tortoise idea. That one's mine. Thanks for staying with us to the end, guys. This has been Million Bazillion, where we help dollars make more sense. Our next episode is going to be all about asking your parents to buy you something and then actually getting them to do it. If you like what you heard, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a rating or write us a review on Apple Podcasts because that really helps cool people like you find us. And that would be so helpful. And we've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. We've got a website, marketplace.org slash million. You can send us your questions there. And we've also got tip sheets for you and your family. And they're awesome. Special thanks to Bill Maurer, whose very official title is Professor of Anthropology and Law and Dean of Social Sciences at UC Irvine. And we also want to thank the following folks who lent us their voices. Jack Stewart, Andy Walker, Piper Hirsch, Robin Edgar, Alyssa Dudley, Mark Sanchez, Coco Sanchez, Soren, and Eva. Also, huge thanks to so many people at Marketplace and Brains On who helped us every step of the way in making this show actually happen. Million Bazillion is brought to you by Marketplace in collaboration with Brains On and American Public Media. Ben Talladay is our sound designer, and he composed music with Daniel Ramirez. Our theme music was created by Wonderly. Bridget Bodner is my co-host and the senior producer. Sandin Totten is our editor. Sitara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. Marketplace's senior vice president and general manager is Deborah Clark. I'm your host, Jed Kim. And special thanks to the people who provided the startup funding to make this show possible in the first place. The Ranzetta Family Charitable Fund and NextGen Personal Finance, supporting Marketplace's work to make younger audiences smarter about the economy. See y'all next time.